Hi, this is David. Welcome to episode 47 of Upward Journey Bible Study, where we study the Bible and theology. This episode focuses on Paul's statement in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 17, that in the gospel, God's righteousness is revealed. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture quotations for this episode are taken from the World English Bible Orthodox Version because the World English Bible is in the public domain. To get the most of this podcast, it would be good for you to take about five minutes to read Romans chapter 1. Let's get started. The word gospel means good news. The Greek word for gospel can be translated as good news, which is how it is translated in the World English Bible in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 17, quote, For I am not ashamed of the good news of Christ, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it is revealed God's righteousness from faith to faith, as it is written, But the righteous shall live by faith. End quote. Paul reveals four aspects of, about the gospel here. One, the gospel is about Jesus Christ. Two, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Three, the gospel benefits those who believe the gospel. And four, in the gospel, God's righteousness is revealed based on one's faith. Here I would like to look at four aspects of the gospel and five aspects of God's righteousness. Paul reveals four aspects of the gospel here. One, the gospel is about Jesus Christ. Gospel means good news. The good news is from God the Father and is about Jesus Christ. We read in Romans chapter 1 verse 1 that Paul was set apart for the good news of God. By Paul saying it is the good news of God, likely he is referring to God the Father as the source of the gospel rather than the content of the gospel. This is because Paul says God promised this good news through God's prophets in the Old Testament scriptures. Romans chapter 1 verse 3 says that this gospel is about God's Son, Jesus Christ, who was born of the offspring of David. The content of the gospel is about Jesus. Paul mentions three things about the good news about Jesus Christ in Romans chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. First, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 3, that Jesus is the offspring of David according to the flesh. God in the Old Testament gave many promises about a coming Messiah. Messiah means anointed one. It was a term for the king of Israel or the king of Judah. God promised a future king that would sit on David's throne forever. The fact that Jesus was a descendant of David opened the possibility that he was the coming Messiah. The king of Israel was considered God's son. God promised David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 11 to 14, Quote, Yahweh will make you a house. 
When your days are fulfilled and you sleep with your fathers, I will set up your offspring after you who will proceed out of your body and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. End quote. These verses are both referring to David's descendants, many of whom sinned against God, and it also applies to Jesus, who was tempted in all ways. We are tempted yet without sin. The king of Israel was considered God's son. In Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, God says to the king of Israel, or the king of Judah, quote, You are my son. Today I have become your father. End quote. This verse is applied to Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5. God says the following about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 to 9, quote, But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The sepulcher of uprightness is the sepulcher of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows, end quote. Here the author of Hebrews is quoting Psalm 45, verses 6 to 7. God sent the angel Gabriel to Mary, telling her that she would give birth to the Son of God. God said to Mary through the angel Gabriel, quote, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. There will be no end to his kingdom. End quote. Luke chapter 1, verses 31 to 33. Secondly, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 4, that Jesus Quote, was declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of Holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. End quote. Jesus is not only the Son of God, but he was declared to be the Son of God with power when God raised Jesus from the dead. God clearly showed that Jesus is the Son of God when God raised Jesus from the dead. This is not just evident from the fact of the miracle of the resurrection. But Jesus had said that he was going to lay down his life and take it again. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verses 17 to 18, quote, Therefore the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down by myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. I received this commandment from my Father. End quote. A third aspect of the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Just as Jesus has power to lay down his life and take it again, he has the power to give us salvation. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. What is involved in salvation? First of all, salvation is salvation from God's wrath. Paul will demonstrate in Romans that all have sinned against God 
and are subject to God's wrath and punishment. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, quote, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. End quote. Paul says in Romans chapter 5 verses 8 to 10, quote, But God commends his own love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we will be saved from God's wrath through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we will be saved by his life. End quote. Number two, salvation is salvation from enmity with God. Romans chapter 8 verses 1 to 2 says, quote, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and of death, end quote. Three, salvation is salvation from the punishment for sins. This is also supported by Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 2, because without condemnation there is no punishment. Number four, salvation is salvation from the power of sin. As Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, that the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made us free from the law of sin and death. God's power was demonstrated in raising Jesus from the dead, and the gospel is the power of God for salvation. This is further developed in Romans chapter 6. In Romans 6, Paul says that those who are baptized into Jesus Christ are baptized into his death. When a person accepts Jesus as their Savior, they die with Christ to sin, and are raised to walk in newness of life. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 4. Jesus sets free those who trust in him from the power of sin so they can live a life of righteousness. Just as Jesus has power over physical death, Jesus has power over sin. Just as Jesus was delivered from death, so Jesus can deliver those dead in their sins to eternal life. Salvation is salvation from God's wrath and salvation from the power of sin. Salvation is not just the forgiveness of sins, but freedom from the power of sin. Salvation and righteousness go together because salvation frees us from God's wrath and makes us righteous. We are right in God's eyes. What does the righteousness of faith say? Paul says that the righteousness of faith is, quote, the word of faith which we preach, end quote. See Romans chapter 10, verses 6 to 8. The preaching of the gospel is preaching, quote, the word of faith, end quote. What is, quote, the word of faith, end quote? Paul explains the word of faith in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11, where he says, quote, that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes, resulting in righteousness, 
and with the mouth confession is made, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. End quote. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, quote, For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. End quote. So how does the gospel fit in here? Paul says it is the proclamation of the gospel that makes possible for people to believe and be saved. They cannot believe if they have not heard the gospel. How will a person hear the good news unless someone tells them the good news? Then Paul asks, how will they hear God's word without a preacher? What is a preacher? A preacher is someone who proclaims the good news. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 15, quote, For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? End quote. Notice Paul is defining a preacher as one who proclaims the gospel. Words mean different things in different contexts. Today we use the word preacher as a person who is theologically and biblically trained to be ordained by the church to devote their lives to preaching and teaching God's word. But here in Romans chapter 10, Paul is using the term preacher in a broader sense of someone who proclaims the gospel. You do not have to be an ordained minister to proclaim the gospel or good news about Jesus. Most likely, most people have shared with others at some time or another good news. Here are some examples of proclamation of good news that you may have shared or you may have heard from someone else. Example one, I got an A in math today. Number two, I got a job. Three, I got a raise. Four, we are actually going to get money back on our taxes this year. Or five, they accepted our offer on the house. Those are some examples of what some people might consider to be good news for them. Most people have the ability to share what they consider to be good news. In fact, they are often eager to do so. You do not necessarily have to be formally trained to be a bearer of good news, and that is what a preacher is. In a sense, we are all preachers. A preacher is someone who shares or proclaims good news. The good news here is that Jesus died, God raised him from the dead, and because of what Jesus did, those who believe in him can be right before God and be saved from their sins and from the power of sinful living. You no longer have to be a slave to anger, bitterness, envy, jealousy, lust, and a host of other sins. You can be set free. You no longer have to worry whether I am good enough to make it to heaven. You no longer have to fear death. Paul says the righteousness of faith is, quote, the word of faith which we preach, end quote. See Romans chapter 10, verses 6 to 8. The preaching of the gospel is preaching, quote, the word of faith, end quote. What is the word of faith? 
Paul explains the word of faith in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 11, where he says, quote, that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. End quote. The word of faith that saves is this. One, salvation can be obtained by confessing that Jesus is Lord, and by believing that God raised Jesus from the dead, and by calling on the name of the Lord. What does it mean to confess Jesus is Lord? It means to make Jesus our object of worship and to submit to his authority and will. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, quote, Have this in your mind, which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, yes, the death of the cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave to him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. End quote. When we bow the knee, we worship and submit to Jesus. This is involved when we confess that Jesus is Lord. In the New Testament times, Roman, Rome wanted people to bow the knee and say Caesar is Lord. Today, sometimes the government wants you to bend the knee and say government is Lord. If they ask you to do things contrary to God's word, God expects you to obey God no matter the consequences. Your faith in God may result in you being sued, or you might have to confront a school board about teaching and grooming your children in unchristian values. You may have to disobey your employer when they ask you to do things contrary to your faith. You may risk having your license to practice medicine taken away if you're a doctor and if you refuse to perform tasks contrary to your faith in God. Others want to make themselves Lord instead of Jesus. They say, not God's will, but my will be done. I would rather pursue my sinful pleasures than submit to Jesus as Lord. It is more convenient to me to abort my baby than to let my baby live. I have the right to pursue my will instead of God's will. I would rather take my children to play soccer on Sunday rather than take them to church. God wants us to confess Jesus as Lord, not the government, not ourselves, but Jesus. Secondly, salvation is through believing that God raised Jesus from the dead. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, we have the hope of eternal life. We die with Christ on the cross to sin, and God raises us up to walk in newness of life. God forgives those who trust in him. Third, salvation involves calling on the name of the Lord, 
We are to call upon God, confessing Jesus as Lord, not ourselves. We are to ask for forgiveness and be willing to turn from our sins. We are to seek God's will and not our own will. We are to seek God's truth and not our own version of the truth. Three, the gospel benefits those who believe the gospel. The result is the forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with God, and no more condemnation. We get a new moral nature that wants to serve God rather than serve sin. The gospel gives us the hope of eternal life. Four, in the gospel, God's righteousness is revealed based on one's faith. Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says, quote, But the righteous shall live by faith, end quote. This could also be translated, The one who is righteous by faith will live. Those who are righteous before God live with faith in God. They have faith that God's way is the best way. Even if it is hard, even if they lose their job, even if they get disciplined at school, even if they get a, a poor grade in school because of their beliefs, they pursue following Jesus no matter the cost. The righteous live by faith. It is also true that those who are righteous by faith will live. They will have spiritual life in this life and in the life to come. Now let us look at five aspects of God's righteousness. One, God's righteousness reflects God's righteous character. God is righteous because he always does what is right. In fact, it is God who determines what is right and what is wrong because he is God. This is good news for those having faith in God. Even if one is oppressed and persecuted because of their faith in God, they can count on God rewarding them for their faith. They can count on God administering justice against their oppressors. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5-6, to 6, quote, This is an obvious sign of the righteous judgment of God to the end that you may be counted worthy of God's kingdom, for which you suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay affliction to those who afflict you. End quote. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 19 to 20, quote, Don't seek revenge yourselves, beloved, but give place to God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so you will heap coals of fire on his head. End quote. Two, God's righteousness reveals God's righteous standard. God determines what is right and wrong, not government, not our own self will. Psalm chapter 7, verse 11 says, quote, God is a righteous judge. End quote. Three, God's righteous acts flows from God's justice, wrath, and judgment. That is why God will punish sin. See 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verses 5 to 6, uh, quoted above. Four, God's righteousness based on God's mercy is made available because of Christ's atoning death. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, quote, Because Christ also suffered for sins once, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive 
in the Spirit, end quote. Five, God's righteousness based on God's mercy is imputed to those who have faith in God. Paul says in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 to 7, but with, quote, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love toward mankind appeared, not by works of righteousness which we did ourselves, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. End quote. God's righteousness is revealed in the gospel. This is where we started off in this podcast with Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 17, quote, For I am not ashamed of the good news of Christ, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it is revealed God's righteousness from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous shall live by faith, end quote. Thank you for joining with me and listening to this podcast. Be sure to search the Bible to, va- to evaluate all teachers, including me. Remember to keep God first in your life. Bye for now.